You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, sponsored by Kendall King, bringing you the latest news, position analysis, and more. Here's your hosts, Matt Jones with Andrew Joseph and Scotty Bordelon. Disappointing loss for Arkansas last weekend, 21 to 19 to Liberty inside Razorback Stadium, a loss that really puts Arkansas's bowl hopes uh, in, in jeopardy in some ways. That now the Razorbacks have to beat either a couple of ranked teams uh, here in the next two weeks in Fayetteville, win one of those two games, or beat Missouri uh, in the season finale in Columbia. A Missouri team that is only four and five, but is, is playing very competitively this year. Matt Jones with Andrew Joseph and Scotty Bordelon of WholeHogSports.com. And before we do the Liberty recap, just a little bit of housekeeping, you'll notice we're recording or that we've updated this podcast uh, a day later than we usually do during the week. That was due to the basketball game earlier this week. We had to pull our resources toward basketball. So our apologies for that. We'll be back on our normal football schedule next week uh, with our podcast but the Arkansas Liberty game, yikes, what a loss for the Razorbacks. Just when you think that they put these types of losses behind them, here comes one in year three under Sam Pittman. And, you know, I think a lot of people have compared this to losing to North Texas or losing to Western Kentucky or, you know, maybe even San Jose State in the in the Chad Morris era. I don't think it was that way. You know, I remember the North Texas and Western Kentucky games, and, and those weren't even competitive games. And those weren't teams that I think are as good as Liberty is. Liberty really surprised me last weekend uh, with how good it was along the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, I think there's a re- reason that Liberty's 8-1. and one. Part of it is that they have not played a very tough schedule, but part of it is that that's a, a pretty good football team coached by um, a guy who's had a lot of success elsewhere, including in the SEC in Hugh Freeze. But still, Scotty, this is the type of loss that I don't know that I was expecting this year, uh, just given the the type of uh, success that Arkansas has had in the last couple of years under Pittman, beating a lot of really quality programs and then being competitive with others. Yeah, I think it's a game Arkansas absolutely should have won. I mean, they went into the game two touchdown favorites, and I think that caught some people by surprise. But, I mean, Arkansas was playing a, a G5 team, even though they were – they were ranked. Um, I mean, Arkansas on paper, you know, had the advantage pretty much everywhere. But, you know, when you don't have a healthy quarterback and, you know, the KJ Jefferson's effectiveness and his efficiency, you know, is dependent on his health. A lot of it. I mean, he was not a not a factor in the run game the other day and he threw two picks in a game for the first time in his his career. One of them obviously wasn't entirely his fault but the second one was you know I, I I think I said after the game when I was talking to some other guys on the beat I was like it's a it was Nick Starkle like pick that he threw it was just a, a bad read um kind of a wild overthrow you know deep over the middle of the field um I think though that Liberty is better than a lot of people give gave them credit for going into the game and I think maybe we were guilty of that too it's a that's a team that's got a lot of talent, and it seemed to me like even some of Liberty's skill players, like Arkansas, would love to have those guys. Like to be real honest, like their elusiveness, their ability to create separation um, in routes. You know, when they were running against Arkansas's DBs, was impressive. And then you know, Liberty just went out there and and won a game against an SEC team on the road with their third string quarterback. And Arkansas right now, 
Um, it would appear, given the way that KJ Jefferson played last week, that you know that would have been an opportune time to to maybe at least go to your second option in Malik Hornsby. But it doesn't seem like right now that they've got just a ton of trust in um, in him taking over the offense. And meanwhile, a G five team comes in here with their their number three and and wins a game. It was kind of stunning how Arkansas's you know, rush offense was just completely ineffective. They ran for three yards in the first quarter and they kept it with a 19 yard run. I mean, that was, that was pretty stunning to me. And then to give up more tackles for loss in a game than you have since the 2002 cotton bowl against Liberty. I mean, that was really, really stunning. It was pretty eye opening. And yeah, like you said, Matt, like the, the rest of the season, you know, they've still obviously got a lot to play for, but it's going to be a, a real uphill battle to get to bowl eligibility because you, you got two home games remaining, but they're against teams that have really explosive offenses and are playing pretty well right now. And then a Missouri team to, you know, at the end of the schedule that, you know, you have to go to their place and they've been pretty competitive at home. I've always thought the thing that sets the SEC apart from most other conferences is the athleticism, the size, and then obviously the skill of defensive linemen. And I thought that's where Arkansas would have the upper hand against Liberty, or, or one of the areas that I thought they would have the upper hand, is that I thought they would be able to, to push that, that defensive line off the ball. And it was the other way around. I mean, Liberty, like you said, had 14 tackles for loss, had four sacks. I was most impressed, I think, with the way that Liberty's defensive line played. I don't know if that means that their defensive linemen were better than Arkansas's offensive lineman, but they certainly played the better game. You know, you, you wonder, uh, you know, did Arkansas take them seriously enough? You know, uh, you, you wonder about things like, uh, you know, should KJ Jefferson have played as much as he did or at all if he wasn't practicing during the week, as we found out afterward uh, that he hadn't practiced a whole lot with the team. Certainly the timing looked totally off with the offense. It didn't look anywhere near the same offense that we had seen the previous two games against BYU and Auburn when I think Arkansas had something close to 1,200 combined yards. But back to the, the defensive line thought, I thought that was the difference in the game, was Liberty's defensive line being able to beat Arkansas's offensive line. And you have to go back, I think, to Hugh Freeze being a former SEC head coach. He knows what it takes to win at a high level. He knows what those defensive linemen need to look like. And I thought Liberty's defensive line was more impressive than what we saw against South Carolina, uh, what we saw against Auburn. And so that says something to me that, you know, you've got an SEC head coach or a former SEC head coach in there who knows what a defensive line is supposed to look like. And they outplayed a couple of the defensive lines, if if not more, that Arkansas has seen this year. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing about Hugh Freeze, too. Like, he's a G5 coach right now, but he's got experience, you know, prepping for, for SEC defensive lines. And he knew, apparently, you know, through game study and um, film study and that kind of thing, just exactly how to to attack Arkansas's offensive line. And Sam Pittman said a lot of the things that Liberty did with this twist game and his movement and stuff was a lot of what it did against Wake Forest. And they prepared Arkansas's offensive line for that throughout the week. And then it just, for whatever reason, the best, the highest graded offensive line in the country, according to Pro Football Focus, wasn't able to handle it, which is is pretty stunning, especially like when you consider you know, Liberty beat Gardner-Webb by one. But, um, you know, Arkansas has played some several game record type guys on the defensive line and, you know, the second level this season. You think about Will Anderson um, and Derek Hall at Auburn. I think Darrell Johnson from Liberty 
might be one of the more impressive defensive players that we've seen from an opponent this year. I mean, he was just he took control of the game like with his three and a half tackles for loss. And, you know, that's that kind of performance probably got the the attention of a lot of schools. I don't I'm not sure if he's got any eligibility remaining uh, after this year, but I mean, if he does, Arkansas should put an earmark should earmark that guy and, you know, think about looking at him later if, if he's got some eligibility left. But yeah, it was uh, the offensive line's performance was um, pretty disappointing. And I thought that just, they were just completely out of sync. Like there were several plays, Matt, like five or six of them, I would, I would estimate where it's like the ball is snapped and then the offensive line just like doesn't move. And all of a sudden rocket Sanders has the ball and there's multiple Liberty defenders in the backfield. It was just, I, I've not seen Arkansas's offense that discombobulated under Kendall Bryles. And, you know, I think a lot of people before the Liberty game were like not completely sold on him just because the, you know, maybe sometimes the points that Arkansas is putting up doesn't match the the yardage that they're, that they're gaining. Um, and then to put up 21 or put up 19 against Liberty. And well, I think they just had two offensive touchdowns in the game. That's, yeah, it was pretty disappointing. Yeah, I thought the offensive line was a major hindrance to the game. And I mean, they let Liberty live in the backfield. And I thought Arkansas really responded slowly to altering their game plan. It looked like they almost couldn't believe that Liberty was getting so much penetration and that they were just going to keep trying to run it with Rocket until it worked. And it was not working. Uh, I think he had like negative yardage on his first five carries total. And I think that they kind of just, thought that at some point they would get their run game going and they weren't able to. And you look at the drive chart on their first seven drives, they had five punts, three, three and outs, a turnover on downs and an interception. Like that's not acceptable against any team, let alone a, a group of five team, I would think. Um, and then also at, you could tell in those first seven drives or so that KJ was not at a hundred percent and he wasn't maybe performing. He, he definitely wasn't performing as well as you would expect, but you had to wonder if maybe bringing Malik Hornsby in would have given the team a better chance to win. And I think Sam Pittman's loyalty is kind of a defining characteristic of his, but I think his loyalty to his guys and to his coordinators can also maybe uh, be to a fault just because he's slowed to make those personnel changes. Um, like you saw, he stuck with Max Fletcher at punter for probably longer than most coaches would have. Uh, he stuck with the, the struggling secondary before putting Quincy McAdoo in this week and had a, a player of the week type of game. Uh, and then you saw Dalton Wagner also at the the tail end of that game was pulling up with his back and looked not to be 100%, but there was no changes made there. And I think if you're not going to use your depth after your team's clearly struggling, uh, especially in Malik Hornsby's case, just kind of I don't understand what his role on this team is if you're going to talk a guy out of the transfer portal to come back and be your backup and then not use him. Like he doesn't get the touches at wide receiver that they talked about in the preseason. He doesn't get the start at Mississippi state. They give it to Kate Fortin who struggles and then Malik Hornsby comes in and puts up decent numbers. And then he doesn't get in when you're playing a, a visibly under 100% KJ who's turning the ball over and, and looking slow in the pocket. And I'm I just, I don't understand those decisions to be completely honest. Good points. You know, when we were talking about that during the game, it's, it's like, at what point do you make that quarterback change when, you know, Jefferson was, was clearly not effective 
for most of the first three quarters. They had the drive where they did get into the Liberty, I think inside the 30, a pass bounced off of Trey Knox's hands and was intercepted. You know, they 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 were able to move the ball in the fourth quarter, aided by a number of, of fourth down conversions uh, to to make the game close. Uh, but it, it was it was just a weird game. And, and I think it probably underscores the fact that you really need to have your quarterback in there practicing, uh, really engaged uh, during the game week. Uh, otherwise, you see the results uh, when, when that's not the case, Scotty. Yeah, it was kind of crazy after the game that, you know, we don't I don't I don't want to slight the kids it, 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 by any means, but it's kind of rare that we get the type of insight that Jaden Hazelwood gave us after the game, right? Like he comes in and he says, like, he gets asked about the offense being out of sync. And he was like, yeah, I mean, you saw exactly what I saw. And like, I didn't even know who was going to be the starting quarterback coming into the game. Like he didn't know KJ was going to start because all throughout the week, Malik had been getting a lot of the reps at quarterback. And I think Arkansas just really counted on, KJ's talent overwhelming Liberty but when you're that limited physically in ways that you know really diminish your effectiveness like KJ KJ hardly ran the ball last week and that's like a huge part of his game like Sam Pittman spoke at the HI Sports Club earlier this week and he said they found out last year that you know to get KJ going they got him going by running the ball and I mean he I remember I think he had one, maybe one or two carries in the first quarter and went for like no gain. He also got sacked. Um, and then his his mechanics were just kind of, I thought they were kind of sloppy. He was flat-footed a lot, like even even through some passes that just absolutely floated. And he's he's a guy, like if he's 100%, like he's going to be a guy that rifles balls in. Like that's kind of, I don't want to say it's the same way as Malik Hornsby because he could, he could throw a ball through a car wash and it not get wet, but – KJ's at least got a little bit more touch and maybe that's what he was trying to do there, but the zip on his passes weren't there. That was pretty obvious to me. Um, and I think he felt some pressure too, because Arkansas's run game wasn't, you know, as effective as it has been. So I don't know, man, it was a, it was a kind of a chaotic week. I would imagine for Arkansas, just with KJ's availability being up in the air and, you know, they have Malik now at the, as the backup quarterback and he's, you know, taking all the reps. He's probably thinking he's going to play. And then they just go with KJ, thinking that his talent will take over. And he does, and Malik doesn't see the field. So maybe a little bit disheartening for him, too, because, you know, a talent like that, um, you know, with the speed and athleticism, explosiveness he has, he could have, I think, definitely made, a, made something of a difference in, in the run game, at least. We focus a lot on the offense. The defense played one of its better games of the season against Liberty held Liberty to 315 total yards uh, to 21 points. And I think if you would have asked anybody going in, Hey, if, if your defense holds, if, if Arkansas's defense holds the other team to 21 points with the way that offense had been playing the previous couple of weeks, you would say, you know, it's a slam dunk victory uh, defensively. It was a good game for Arkansas. Now, Scotty mentioned that now you've go into a, a two week stretch here where you play, two of the hottest, if not the two hottest offenses in the SEC, uh, mobile quarterbacks in both situations that have the potential uh, to really hurt the Razorbacks. Um, but but defensively for this one game, I thought this was, uh, you know, kind of another stepping stone type deal for the defense. We talked about it last week 
uh, the way they played against the Auburn for the first three quarters was really impressive until you know, they brought their backups in. And so this is two weeks in a row that they've put together what is for this defense, based on what we saw in the first half of the season, a good result. Yeah, I think if you look on paper and not the opponent's name, like you just see Arkansas shut out a top 25 team in the second half, I think you're pretty happy with that. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like Arkansas's athleticism should have taken over more than it did, but I think it was kind of the other way around, especially in the first half. I think three different Arkansas defensive backs got beat on on Jonathan Bennett's you know, passing scores. And Dwight McLaughlin gave up his first of the year, and that's when I kind of thought that Arkansas might be in for a, a real, a real fight, just because Nudie's been really, really good in pass coverage. I think PFF put out a graphic a few days before the game that he was like one of two DBs maybe in the SEC that hadn't given up a touchdown to this point in the year, and then he gives up one. I think Hudson Clark gave up one, Malik Chavis too, and then at that point. It's like that's when Arkansas went to Quincy McAdoo. <laughs> and like Sam Pittman's called him a, a natural since moving from receiver to to defensive back. And, you know, it took it took Arkansas getting down almost twenty one points for for some changes to happen. Like Andrew made some really good points earlier, but just personnel changes were a little bit slow. Um but I, I do think Arkansas did what it was supposed to in the second half. I think they held liberty to under eighty yards of total offense and they just they absolutely gave Arkansas's offense every opportunity to to win the game in the second half. Like they would come up with picks and blocked punts, um, come up with three and outs and and big big third down fourth down stops. And Arkansas's offense wasn't able to to turn it into points. And that's when you know the Arkansas's offense being so out of sync, I think, really gets highlighted because there's a struggling defense for most of the season getting you stops, and then it's now it's the offense that that can't you know, get things going. So it was a little bit of a, a role reversal there, which was really, really unexpected to me. I guess what I'm saying is this is not a good defense, but this is two weeks in a row where they put up, you know, good numbers for this right. defense, you know, re relative to what we've seen this year. Yeah, I think, there, I think Arkansas can – I should have asked that last night when we were talking to Simeon Blair just about the confidence of, of the defense. But at the same time, you're looking at an Auburn offense that's – not doing real hot or they weren't doing real hot before Arkansas played, played okay them. against Starkville. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Starkville. Yeah, they did. They were definitely reinvigorated there. I just, I, I loved watching Cadillac Williams get so emotional on the sideline. That's, that was really fun. But um, yeah, just it's two offenses that, you know, aren't particularly explosive, I guess you could say like Liberty's obviously had their moments against some, some lesser competition, but um, put up good numbers against Wake Forest. But yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if if last Saturday's game is like a confidence builder for the defense. I imagine it might be in some respects, but still, um, the way that they got hit in the, in the mouth in the in the first half, I think that 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 at least sticks with me. Yeah, I think the large part of the season, the offense has been trying to to keep up with the defense, meaning like the defense is is kind of allowing opponents to score at will and the offense is having to shoulder the load and score each possession. But this game was kind of the opposite where the defense was kind of holding their own and waiting for the offense to kind of pick up their end of the deal. And they just never did. And I thought that they kind of made it harder on themselves, the 
in that the turning point of that game was when Liberty scored their first touchdown. Arkansas gets the ball back, uh, goes for it on fourth down and early in the second quarter. I think it was only seven nothing at that point, which I mean, it's not I don't think it was an egregious call, but I think after four straight punts, it was maybe a press. Uh, and they I don't did. get I it. I felt like it was down. a press too, for sure. And so they don't get it. And then you give Liberty a short field and then all of a sudden they're up 14, nothing. And then that kind of, I thought swung the momentum of things a lot further than it would have been had they just punted. Yeah. I think it was a press. I think it was an indication that Arkansas's coaches there pretty early on could tell, Hey, this isn't going well. And they were trying to find a, a spark for that offense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it it felt like a press to me. And, you know, Sam said at the HI Sports Club in August that he learned a lot from that Auburn game, you know, to not press and, you know, let other teams make mistakes. And I think at that point, maybe he just was like, we've just got to try to impose our will or try to get some kind of energy going. And Trey Knox made a, a really interesting point last night when we talked to players on Zoom that Arkansas sometimes this year has been guilty. Uh, you know, the groups of players have been guilty of just kind of waiting on somebody else to make a play to get some juice on the sideline or bring some energy to the whole team instead of going out there and making something happen. And I think that was that's that's a really, really big deal. Um, is when you're flat, as, as Arkansas was last week, um, you know, you, you've got to manufacture your own energy and, you know, your your energy level and your talent and your athleticism has to take over. But you can't wait on somebody else to go make a play like you've got to go make the play, make things happen. Um, and I, I just think Arkansas has been kind of sitting idle at times when when things aren't going well and just kind of waiting on something to happen. Quincy McAdoo was making some things happen. And I think that gave Arkansas a jolt. But I don't think you I don't think it's it's great that you're waiting on like a true freshman to go make a play or for the special teams to go make a play to to give you some energy like the like the other two phases of the game those guys have those guys have got to really step up and as Trey Knox said last night be juice boxes themselves I think we're going back a little bit to the Drew Morgan Grant Morgan days um you got to bring your own juice to the game um just to you know, put away a game that you're not particularly playing well in and, you know, just get out and, and you know, go go live another week. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, design, display, signage, kendallking.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omnichannel creative services through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence. We've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win, and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! Wholehogsports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at wholehogsports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. Wholehogsports.com. Want more coverage of your home team? 
Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. Welcome back to the Whole Hog Football Podcast. Arkansas with its second of three consecutive home games this weekend to get seventh-ranked LSU. The Tigers, number seven in both the AP and the college football playoff polls this week. A big mover in the AP poll and moved up three spots in the playoff poll, which had, uh, I guess this time last week, we thought it maybe overrated LSU a little bit, but then they beat Alabama in Death Valley. And, you know, that, that ranking's uh, obviously justified. They're the highest-ranked two-loss team in the country. They've lost to Florida State and Tennessee this year, and they come into Fayetteville. It feels like just hot as a pistol. Uh, their offense is really clicking. It seems like this team has, has really matured quite a bit under Brian Kelly this season, and, and it's no surprise when you look at Brian Kelly's resume. He's won everywhere he's gone, whether it's been at the FBS level or even below, uh, and, and, and you're seeing the results of, of having a, a real quality head coach there in LSU right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It was it was interesting during the offseason, you know, a lot of people were giving Kelly grief for, you know, that that speech that he made. I think it like during a, a timeout during a basketball game where it sounded like his southern accent was manufactured or whatever. I mean, people misspeak all the time. I think he was I think he was, you know, given a little bit too much hell for that. But there's no doubt that I think he's one of the, he's already one of the better coaches in the league. And I really you know, I was sitting in my recliner watching the the end of the, the Alabama LSU game, and you know, you've got an opportunity to take down a top five Alabama team in your own building. Um, I, I really admired his his guts to go for the the two point conversion. And Sam Pittman made a good point the other day. Like, if you've got Alabama on the ropes like that in your in your own stadium, and all you got to do is get three yards to beat them, and they can't do anything about it if you score. Why not go for it? I mean, I think people would have respected Brian Kelly for going for it, even if even if LSU hadn't hadn't converted that two point conversion. I think he's a really good coach, um, and you know, even like early in the season, you know, when um, LSU lost to to Florida State, you could see. I think even at that point, that you know, he kind of had his fingerprints all over the roster and the way that they were going to play. And LSU, anytime like if you've got a, a dual threat quarterback like Jaden Daniels who can run it as well as he does, I think he's like top six in the league in rushing second and in, in rushing touchdowns overall. That's phenomenal. But if you got a dual threat quarterback who also can, can, you know, spin it pretty good and he doesn't turn the ball over, he's got one turnover or one interception this year. You're going to have a chance to be in a lot of games so long as your defense is, is pretty effective um, and they're giving up 22 points a game this year, and I think it's around 19 in in wins. So that's a really, really well-rounded team, um, and I think that's not really all that unexpected with Brian Kelly, to be honest. Daniels is the leading rushing quarterback in the SEC, and I, I got to believe that this is going to be a long week for Arkansas based on what we saw Jalen Milrow do when he came in late in that Alabama game. It, it feels like LSU's probably going to try to do – a lot of the same things with Daniels this weekend. Yeah, I feel like the 
maybe the key to containing Jaden Daniels is maybe having a guy like Drew Sanders act as a spy for the majority of the game. But then when you do that, you take away your best pass rusher. And so it kind of feels like a lose-lose situation for Arkansas. You can either try to stop him from running the ball on you, or you can try to get some pass rush. And and if you miss on either of those options, he's going to hurt you. Um, it just the way that the programs are trending, it doesn't seem like Arkansas is going to, um, match up well against this team. I think they kind of uh, the mobile quarterbacks, like you mentioned, are, have kind of had their way against Arkansas's defense this year. Uh, and then the secondary, as we know, has been brutal all year long. And having a quarterback as good as Jaden Daniels, who makes plays and doesn't turn the ball over, is not a recipe for success. I wonder this week if we see maybe the return of that double cloud coverage, just to maybe try to take away some of the run lanes that that Jaden Daniels has if, you know, he can't find a target downfield. Just I feel like Arkansas just needs to make him see a lot of defenders in front of him, you know, anytime that he thinks about tucking the ball and running. Um, but at the same time, they can design runs for him and, you know, have blockers out in front of him and, and pick up chunk yardage that way too. So I don't envy the job that, that Barry Odom's got this week. I mean, I think LSU's scoring like 40 points, 40-plus points the last three games against Florida. Ole Miss and Alabama, like that's those are pretty dead gum good numbers. And I don't know exactly what the plan is going to be, but I just think Arkansas, maybe more than pressured Jaden Daniels, they just need to make him, you know, see a lot of defenders and, and maybe make him second guess himself in, in some of his decisions. This feels like one of those weeks where Arkansas has got a chance to kind of catch LSU sleeping a little bit. You got the early kickoff, the weather on Saturday is going to be frigid in Fayetteville. I mean, we're talking about uh, the latest I saw was a high of 43 degrees, which means that at an 11 a.m. kickoff, you're probably talking about in the upper 30s. And we've seen LSU come in here before in those types of situations and and not play well when it's really cold. It's, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe they recruit players from, you know, so far in, in, in more of a tropical climate that they're not used to that cold weather. But we've seen a number of times where, uh, LSU has come up here and, and Arkansas has benefited from playing, you know, in a, a colder type game in November. Interesting. I don't know if that's going to happen on Saturday, but I think the combination of LSU coming off the big win, the early kick, the weather, and then Arkansas, who is a much better team, I think, than it showed last week against Liberty. Those are all really interesting things to watch, I think, going into this game on Saturday. I, I would agree with that. I think the the one game that comes to mind, and maybe you too, I think it may have been the 2012 game in Fayetteville. It may have been the first, you know, battle for the boot game that was played in Fayetteville in a long time. It was, yep. And LSU, I think, had Jarvis Landry and OBJ as their, um, you know, as their standouts at receiver. And mm -hmm. gosh, I, I could be wrong. Was it Zach Mettenberger? Who was the quarterback? I believe back so. Then? Yeah, I can't Landry remember. made a great one-handed catch in the end zone in that game. Absolutely. That was really the difference. Absolutely. Yeah, that was kind of another one of those cold rock fights that I think Arkansas wants to try to turn this one into. Like LSU's doesn't have the receivers, maybe of the caliber of a Jarvis Landry and OBJ, but um the Boutte kid is, is really good. And they've got they've got a lot of, you know, long you know, I think Simeon Blair said thick-legged receivers that can, you know, make you miss are pretty elusive. Obviously, if you're playing receiver at LSU, you've got some speed too. Um, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. I could, I could definitely see it, see it turn into maybe a rock fight if, you know, both both defensive game plans uh, pan out the way the coordinators want them to. 
I think these next two weeks are going to be really kind of a, a, a pivotal moment. Not not necessarily saying that, you know, it, it's a make or break type deal, but it, it's going to be a really telling moment, I think, for this program under Pittman. The fact that, you know, their backs are up against the wall a little bit. They've got two really good teams here in Fayetteville. Is it going to be a deal where, you know, there's not a lot of fight in the team? I don't think that's the case. I think you're going to see, you know, Arkansas come out and, and play inspired the next two weeks in, in part because they didn't do it against Liberty. Uh, it, it just it feels like Arkansas has got a chance to pull off an upset here the next two weeks. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, you know, obviously it, it, it feels dumb saying that after they just lost to Liberty, but it, it seems like under Pittman, whenever you doubt the team, they come back and they respond in a really strong way. And that wasn't the case in the last few years under or the last two years under Bielema. It certainly wasn't the case under Morris. It just seems like the mindset of this team is different than, you know, some of these other years that we might be thinking back to right now because of the way they lost to Liberty. Um, I don't know that this is going to be the same type of response that we saw after some of those types of games. And, and, you know, obviously they have to go out and they have to prove it. And those are still, you know, pretty fresh memories in our mind, but I just get a feeling that you're going to get a different kind of response than maybe uh, what you came to expect from this Arkansas program over the course of four or five years that ended a couple of years ago. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think the, culture that Sam Pittman has instilled in this team and kind of the belief that they can be competitive in any game, uh, especially after they had such a successful season last year, kind of resonates within the team. And I mean, they don't sure they haven't overcome as much adversity as they're having to right now up to this point. Uh, but I think if the if the team that played Liberty gets off the bus next Saturday, uh, it's not going to be a, a fun game to watch and it's not going to be close, but I I don't think that team that showed up against Liberty is who Arkansas is. I think that they are going to play a much better game. Uh, and I think that that loss will be a motivate, a motivating factor for them. They didn't play Liberty well. We all know that. And I mean, it was the, what their third string quarterback put up 200 yards, three touchdowns. And like, if, if you can't contain Liberty's third string quarterback, like good luck with Jaden Daniels, but I don't think that you're going to get that same type of defense. And I think that they will play maybe, uh, I don't know if harder is the word, but I think that they're, they're going to want this win more. I think the real test of this team might come, you know, if Arkansas falls down seven, zero, 10, zero, 14, zero, what's their response after that? But I do, I do think Arkansas has a good opportunity to start quicker. Um, this week, just because I think they're anticipating KJ Jefferson being healthier. I mean, Sam on, on Monday said that KJ felt better um, already this week. Uh, I guess just on Sunday after getting, getting probably a lot of treatment, uh, they felt better this week already than he did last week. So I think that gives you a little bit of a push to at least begin the game. Um, but I think both sides of the ball have to do a good job of, of setting the tone and, um, yeah, I just, I just, I still think like the, I think the the will and the mental toughness of the team needs to needs to really show its head. And if they do get down by maybe a score or two, I think the response to that is is going to be, you know, really really critical. Arkansas on LSU Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN. Come to our website, wholehogsports.com, throughout the week for our coverage leading up to the game. Also, we're in full basketball mode. We got a lot of coverage of Razorback basketball on the website. 
this week and the basketball podcast of mid-america will publish again on thursday we'll have our recap of arkansas's season opening win over north dakota state and look ahead to the next couple of games that they're going to play against fordham and south dakota state as they gear up for their trip to maui here in less than two weeks for scotty bordelon and andrew joseph i'm matt jones we appreciate you joining us and we hope you'll join us again on one of our podcasts including the whole hog football podcast previewing arkansas lsu later this week the proceeding has been a production of wholehogsports.com Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.